Have you had a chance to try Hoopla? Hoopla is an app that offers ebooks, audiobooks, movies, music, and more. And the best part is that it's totally free with your valid library card. We've also recently increased the number of titles you can borrow per month from four to six. To download Hoopla, visit the App Store or Google Play, or go to www.hoopladigital.com. For more information, feel free to email us at info at wmrl.ca or by contacting your local branch of the Western Manitoba Regional Library. Welcome to Brandonites, a podcast in which we hear from people around Brandon, Manitoba who are passionate about what they're up to. This podcast is brought to you by the Western Manitoba Regional Library. Today's guest is Danielle Hubbard, director of the Western Manitoba Regional Library. Happy listening. Welcome, Danielle, to Brandonites. Thanks, Alex. So, how about we start with having you introduce yourself for our listeners? All right. Um, so the first thing I notice as I'm introducing myself is that I'm like making eye contact with you as I talk, even though I'm talking to people who can't see either <laughs> right now. Right. Yeah. So, but that aside, so my name is Danielle Hubbard. Uh, my connection to the Brandonites podcast is that I'm the director of the Western Manitoba Regional Library, mm -hmm. uh, which is based here in Brandon. And we have four rural locations as well. Um, but I have the the honor of working with Alex several days a week. So I think that that's why he invited me to join him. <laughs> All right. And thank you for giving the podcast your blessing too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. My involvement with the podcast up to this point was that Alex came, you came up with the idea and I said I thought it sounded great. And then I had nothing further to do with it at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, right. uh, yeah. So mm -hmm. thank you for coming up with it. Sure. So what are your typical daily tasks that you do here at the library? Mm, um, that's a good question. Yeah. So my title is Director of Library Services. Um, my background is, is working as a librarian. I've worked as a librarian for the past five years, six years, something like that. So I think when you tell people that you're a librarian, the first things people assume is that you must read a lot at work. Um, and I think the second thing that people assume is that I must really enjoy going around shushing other human beings. Right. <laughs> so actually neither of those things are at all true. Um, so I would say that my role as a library director is far more comparable to being the CAO or owner or manager of any mm -hmm. organization. Right. So I think it's a combination of like an HR management job and um, and almost like a political job. It feels like a bit of a political job yeah. because I report to a board of directors. So there's a volunteer board that's ultimately responsible for the library. They're all volunteers. They represent the different municipalities that the library serves. Mm -hmm. And so that creates a political kind of element too. I don't mean political in a, in a negative sense. I think sometimes right. people use that term yeah. to denote something like, ugh distasteful yeah and actually I don't find that to be the case um, I love that aspect of my job mm -hmm. 
but that I'm the face of the library to all six of the municipalities that we serve. So right. it means that I, yeah, I, you know, I speak to the municipal councils. I speak to the employees of each of the municipalities. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I feel like the main part of my job is managing relationships. It's like relationships with, with the municipalities, relationships with the public, and relationships with all the staff who work at the library. Right. All those relationships that need to be in place for libraries to function yeah yeah and yeah. then really <laughs> all all of those people who are in those other relationships they're the ones who do the ordering of books and mm -hmm. managing the books in the library right yeah. <laughs> i just make sure that they're all supported and happy as they manage the books in the library right yeah so i'd say that like an average day in my life involves responding to zillions of emails writing a lot of reports, managing budgets. Um, and I also love the fact that I get to set the library's strategic direction and think like big picture and strategically about yeah. where are we now? Where have we come from? Where do we want to be next year or two years from now or five yeah. years from now? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to dive into that, but first I want to hear a little bit about your background, too. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm always happy to talk about myself. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I grew up in Victoria, B.C., um, on the West Coast, and my parents still live in the house that I grew up in, so that's <laughs> definitely home. Like, right. So, yeah, yeah. Victoria is definitely my home. I haven't lived there in a long time, though. So I grew up there. I went to the University of... Um, University of Victoria, and I studied art history and religious studies. So right before we started recording, yeah. <laughs> we were we were talking about various religions for a bit. So that right. uh, yeah, I that was what I minored in. It's not really relevant at all to what I'm doing now as a director. Um, and then I did a master's degree in library studies at Dalhousie University in Halifax. Okay. Um, there's seven universities in Canada that provide master's programs in library mm -hmm. studies. Okay. So that was the one that was farthest from home and therefore sounded the most interesting to me. Yeah, the opposite <laughs> coast. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it was like, yeah. I think from Halifax, you can fly to Europe in less time than you can fly to Victoria. Right, yeah. So got as far away as possible. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then I came back. So my first professional job as a librarian was on Salt Spring Island, BC. Okay. Um, and I lived there for about four years. And then I moved to Brandon four years ago. So I guess I've been a librarian for eight years. Okay. Yeah. And what, what was it that brought you to Brandon? Um, I moved here to be, to, I took a position as the programming and outreach librarian at mm -hmm. this library, at the Western Manitoba Regional Library. Okay. And that was for a couple of reasons. One is that programming and outreach is um, the part of public librarianship that I'm the most interested in and is the okay. most exciting to me. Yeah. Like I love, I love it because it's creative. Um, when you're talking about <laughs> programming and outreach at any organization, but certainly at a library too, it's like, it's whatever you can come up with, man. You know, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. it's everything from planning a story time, running a story time, running a podcast, yeah. putting ads in the paper, going right. to events and talking to people. Yeah. Um, 
and I, that was the type of work I did on Salt Spring, although I did a lot of other things as well. And I just found that to be the most rewarding part of the job. Like I, I really believe in what public libraries offer, but I also am, um, I'm kind of a restless person. <laughs> so I don't okay. want my role to be sitting at a desk cataloging books. Okay. I'm very glad that there are other people drawn to library work who do love those tasks, but right. I like to get out and move around and talk to people. So yeah, so that was why I had moved to Brandon um, because I was offered a job that sounded like it was the kind of work I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I had never been to Brandon before, like never ever until I moved here two days before my first day of work. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> I imagine there was a bit of culture shock. <laughs> yes, I would yeah. say Brandon, Manitoba is a different place than Salt Spring Island, BC. Yeah. Um, a few of the things that are, I think the thing that I actually noticed as the most pronounced difference is that Salt Spring is a community where no one is from. <laughs> like when you live on Salt mm. Spring, you so rarely, so rarely, meet anyone over the age of 17 who was born on Salt Spring okay. or has ties of, you know, growing up there. Um, it's a place that people choose to move to because it calls to some vision they have right. for what they want their life to be like. Yeah. Um, which has, like, that could be its whole own episode of a podcast too. That has so many pros and so many cons mm -hmm. in terms of a community you live in. Right. It has the pro that people are very community-minded, they're very engaged, there's a real drive to make the, make the island as good as it can be. Hmm. Um, so many people are creative and idealistic, which can also be challenging too. Because, sure. yeah. yeah. Whereas I think Brandon, Culturally, I think the big difference in Brandon is that many people live here because this is really, really their home on a deep level. Like, they grew up here and their family yeah. and relatives are from this area. Yeah. So I think there's a really strong sense, and not with everyone, of course, but there's a strong sense of, like, this is fundamentally my home. That I don't think that that's the case mm -hmm. On Salt Spring or in Victoria, I think for more right. people it was like, this is a beautiful place that I'm happy to live. And it's your home, but in a different way, in a different sense than right. somewhere you've, you've grown up and your whole family has grown up. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So the aspect of working at a library that you enjoy the most, being creative and engaging the community, mm -hmm. on that level, um, with changes in technology and just advancement in other areas, mm -hmm. um, times are changing quickly for yeah. libraries and <laughs> we're having to adapt to that. Mm -hmm. um, so in your experience, what has this library been doing to adapt and what would you hope it will do in the future to adapt to all of it? Yeah, that's a yeah. really good question. Um, so one thing that this library has done to adapt before I started working here uh, was the adoption of e-resources. Right. So traditionally, say earlier than 15 years ago or so, um, libraries really were more all about books, books or DVDs or things that you can physically mm -hmm. borrow. Yeah. 
and now public libraries all across North America, this isn't unique to our library system, um, that we provide people access to e-books and e-audiobooks mm -hmm. and yeah. like digital, digital resources yeah. as well. So I cannot claim credit for that. That was already in place um, when I started working here. I think the other trend that public libraries across North America are see, we're seeing in libraries across North America is um, a much more flexible delivery of services. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so rather than, yeah, libraries being that place where you where you go to get a book and get hushed by a librarian um, instead. Yeah, there's books. You can go borrow the books, but they're also a free public space where people can spend time. Yeah. I think that's a really valuable thing. Yeah. Um, you don't need to buy anything. You don't need to have a membership. And also public programming, which ties back to that I love public programming, but um, that that's a direction that I, when I became the director of this system two years ago, I really wanted the library to expand its programming and outreach because I think that that's a way that we can engage with our communities. And mm -hmm. um, if the purpose of lending books to our communities is to provide people with information or culture, and interacting with people in person is, a, is another way that you're providing them access to information and culture. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, some of the programs that I was personally most excited about running when I started here. Um, I would say my favorite program, actually, you took over, Alex, was my creative writing program. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Which is a lovely program. Yeah, I just realized yeah. how goofy it is for me to tell you about that program <laughs> when you now facilitate it. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. But um, so that was my vision. Two years ago when I became the director, I thought we're going to carry on this trend of, you know, reaching out to more people in Brandon and beyond yeah. and providing more workshops and events. Oh. And, then, um, and then this thing called COVID-19 happened. <laughs> I'm not sure if our listeners have heard of this or not, <laughs> but it made it somewhat problematized <laughs> doing public programming. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I think strategically, we're still on roughly the same footing, the library is, of like the plan is to, to reach more people in a more diverse, yeah. um, you know, more diversely. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that programming is happening virtually now, which mm -hmm. I think I have all kinds of thoughts on that. It's better than nothing. And I think it's just really not the same as yeah. in person. Yeah. It's great to be able to meet people on more levels, but mm -hmm. it, it does lack a little bit of the dynamics of being in person and those relationships between human beings. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's challenging because so much of what um, makes a free community program, such as a program at the library, valuable is that it gives you a reason to be in a different place, like mm -hmm. not be in your home or not be in front of a computer. Instead, you're in a free, safe space like a library and you're talking yeah. with other people. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm digressing a bit. That's, but um, 
I think it's great that we're offering virtual programs, but I do hope we'll be able to do them in person at some point in the future too. Yeah. And I think in terms of, oh, sorry, the other part of your question was where do you think the library is going? I think, um, I don't want to say anything in a really definitive way because everything to do with the COVID pandemic has been so unexpected yeah. and I don't want to predict things that won't happen. But yeah. if I were to predict things, I think that libraries are going to become more flexible institutions the more that time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we just have to, like, we have to accept that people are either not going to feel comfortable leaving their houses or even if they can't wait to get out and about and leave their houses, they're still going to expect to be able to access information and resources from mm-hmm. home. Because yeah. once, once you know that that's possible, why would you want to stop being able to do that? Yeah, yeah. I know in our creative writing group, we have at least two people right now who wouldn't mm-hmm. be coming if it was in person, even if there oh, was no pandemic. That's rather of, fantastic. Yeah. And they each mm-hmm. have their own circumstances, but um, they maybe held off in the past from attending because coming mm-hmm. down was difficult or complicated. Yeah. Um, so it's opened up avenues for some people, but you're right, it, it has also kind of flattened things a little bit as far as the dynamics with it being online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing that I think that COVID has opened up I don't want to thank COVID for anything because I wish it wasn't happening. But yeah. I think the other thing that's positive about it is that it's made us, the library and all organizations, rethink why we're doing things the way we're doing them and mm-hmm. rethinking um, guidelines or rules that we've always stuck to in the past. Yeah. So I'd say for this library system, one of those things being working from home, there's no way any of us as library staff could ever have worked from home before. And not for any hard and fast rule reason, just like that's not, I don't know, that's not what we ever did. That's not done. Like you're either at work or you're homesick. (laughs) Or if you're lucky, you're on vacation. Yeah, and so I think there's some reasons why people have to be at work, of course. Like, if if we're open to the public, we need to have staff here who are interacting with the public in person. Mm -hmm. But um, for a lot of other roles, like administrative roles, or if you have behind-the-scenes responsibilities, well, like your role facilitating a podcast, it's like you don't need to be here at the library physically to do that. You can... yeah be out in the community and you're still representing the library. Right. Yeah. So I would say that for me, just based on my <laughs> personality or my like approach to life, I think that's a good thing because I think my least favorite thing about being a library director is I really hate being, um, I really hate working a nine to five job. <laughs> like I, okay. I would rather yeah. have a job that's a bit more all over the place. Okay and involved uh yeah different hours and different locations and i just like to move around and do different things Mm -hmm. so being more flexible with myself and the staff is for me a much better fit right but again i don't really want to go so far as thanking covid for that because (laughs) i hope we could have reached this point regardless (laughs) yeah but i think it has happened faster because of the pandemic yeah 
it kind of grinded things down to a halt for a while mm -hmm. and gave us a chance to just look at everything and and reassess yeah yeah, yeah. it's interesting too because it makes you reassess which is a good thing but then part of the reassessment process is that there's so many things that are no longer options. So that's like mm -hmm. the negative part of the reassessment process. You know, like right. it's yeah. great to think of new ways to connect with a community, such as doing a podcast. But the downside with that is like, well, a podcast is a viable option, but going out and doing a story time with a kindergarten class in the classroom is mm -hmm. no longer an option. Right. So it's like, right. it's good that we're finding these new options, but it's unfortunate that they're at the expense of other options. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as you said, you are often the face and voice of the library. And mm -hmm. it could also be said that you're a bit of a community leader. Um, mm -hmm. What has your experience been with being a leader during a pandemic and having, you know, your decisions affect so many people. Yeah, um, yeah. it has been really stressful, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. I think it gets less stressful as time goes by. So I guess looking at it chronologically, when I first became the director of this library system, I found that in and of itself to be stressful. This was like a right. year before COVID happened. Yeah. And it was, it was already stressful just because I was responsible for the budget of the whole library. And I, right. I was responsible for the approximately 30 staff who work at the library, like responsible for the, at that yeah. point, five locations. Yeah. Um, and then I was just feeling like I was getting a handle on how to run a library and how to move it in a new direction. Yeah. And, and then a pandemic started. So the most immediately stressful thing about leading the library through the pandemic was that we had to close the library to the public. So I think yeah. we closed on March 17th of last year. Yeah, I think that it was St. Patrick's Day because we were frozen in St. Patrick's Day decorations for right. months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that was stressful because I thought I've only been the director of this library for less than a year. And lo and behold, I'm now closing it to the public, which I've never heard. There's never a library that I've worked at that has just closed to the public. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah. libraries are usually one of those places that, you know, they keep staying open even if there's a snowstorm or right. even if, you know. Yeah. There's an economic yeah. depression. Usually libraries see an uptick in yeah. usage. So there were, so that felt, to be honest, my initial thought was like, am I going to get in trouble for all of this? Why would I get in trouble for it? I don't know. It's a global <laughs> pandemic. But I just felt like, right. yeah. oh my God, the public is going to be angry at me personally. My board is going to be angry at me personally. All the staff are going to be angry at me personally. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think that the more that time goes by, the, I don't think that at all anymore. I think that, um, you know, everyone's in the same boat. We're all like making strange decisions that we never had to make before. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think also at the beginning, it was really challenging because there were so such frequent changes of circumstance. Mm -hmm. The restrictions would change. The public knowledge about the pandemic would change. Yeah. So it was a lot of 
processing information quickly and then trying to communicate it out to everyone as quickly as like take in all this information quickly make a decision mm -hmm. in like half an hour <laughs> yeah. and then <laughs> and then notify all staff members put it out there to the public and notify the, my board that i report to right and what i often found stressful was that it very understandably it felt like everyone wants to know the answer right now <laughs> you know like yeah. <laughs> i'm writing an email to all the staff and staff members are texting me or phoning me and asking <laughs> what's going on it's like ah, right. i'm trying to let everyone know right now yeah. so that part has certainly become less stressful because i think everyone is getting covid burnout at this point right we so, just take whatever comes down the yeah. <laughs> yeah you just take yeah. you just take whatever i give <laughs> you at this point um, also, whatever I give you at this point is not very surprising anymore. At this right. point, it's like, yeah. well, we're open if the province says we can be open and we're closed if the province says we should close. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. But then on a personal level, I don't at all mind that I've been in this position. I think in a way it's been, um, what's the right word? Like exciting sounds too positive, but it's been... I don't feel that I've done a bad job and I feel that this would be a stressful situation no matter who, mm -hmm. like for everyone in a leadership position of any level, I think this has been a really hard year. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm glad to know that I could do it and if it wasn't me making these strange, difficult decisions, someone else would be doing it. Mm -hmm. So. And I think the other part of it is that since COVID started, you're either in a position of making stressful, difficult decisions, or you're in a position of not being able to make decisions and you're just waiting on other people to make stressful, difficult decisions. Right, yeah. So neither way is it exactly excellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Now on a, on a personal level, where do you draw support from or what inspires you? What keeps you going? Um, definitely running and swimming okay. are really big parts of my life. Um, Pre-COVID, I was a marathon runner, so I would do one or two marathons a year. Okay. Um, I haven't in the past year because they're not happening. Right. <laughs> yeah. So now I run like 10 or 20K at a time. Um, but I love it. I love running and actually I like can't mentally focus unless I've got a workout fix in. Okay. Um, swimming is also amazing for me, which means that it was really, it's been really tough having pools close yeah. because middle of winter managing a really difficult situation is exactly the time I would love to go swimming. Yeah. Yeah. That's been hard. So running has been more reliable. Um, I also write a lot, like mm -hmm. I write poetry, so that's been good. And I, and I, and I definitely drink more than I used to <laughs> past okay. year. So that's, that's been great. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I think that I've drawn a lot of support from is the staff at the library. And that, that might sound like I'm, um, ah, that might sound like a, you know, sucking up statement since you are a staff at the library, but really the staff of the library have been very understanding of everything going on. Mm. 
And in these times when it's so much harder to socialize outside of work for yeah. everyone, yeah. I am grateful every day that I work with a group of people who I enjoy seeing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And whether we talk about personal things or we talk about work things, usually we talk about work things. But yeah. still, just having that, you know, you're interacting with other people who care about you and you care about them is, I think, really yeah. valuable. Yeah. It, it looks like one of the first things you do each day is kind of do a round and say hi to everyone. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, it's, that kind of thing has become so rare lately. <laughs> yeah. I like going around and talking to people. There's some days actually that I walk to work feeling very depressed because I just feel like the world is gray and closed and mm -hmm. not from Brandon and I don't have, um, you know, my family and close friends don't live here. Right. And it feels like so many of the problems facing the library are so impossible to solve right now, like that we can't go out and do in-person programs. and. Yeah. All these things so I do <laughs> I do like to go around and say hi to everyone when I start my day because that reminds me like ah, this is why I'm here and, yeah you know yeah. at least I can have some really positive interactions with with the staff and I hope that they also feel like there's some value to them being here because there is yeah. so what yeah. about you Alex like where do you find support right now because you always seem in good spirits but maybe that's Maybe that's also an act. <laughs> <laughs> um, meditation is a big one. Mm -hmm. um, knowing that I'm an introvert and and taking responsibility for that is a huge one. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy being at home. Yeah. And I, I like being around my little family. Um, mm -hmm. Writing for me too has been something constructive that I can do. Um, every day and especially over the last year it's been tricky but really nice to have that happening mm -hmm. yeah and good do you think it's good to feel like there's something you can do that you could do before the pandemic and now you can still do it during the pandemic <laughs> like meditation writing yeah both of those, yeah it was yeah. like carry through <laughs> yeah 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 could you tell us a little bit about your writing that you do? Sure. Yeah. So hmm. <laughs> when I was a child or a teenager or even in my 20s, I would say I really wanted to be the next Margaret Atwood, okay. which maybe many people do. <laughs> Not necessarily Margaret Atwood herself, but like, yeah. you know, a, a Canadian literary icon. No big deal. Just something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. like I wrote all the time, mostly novel length fiction, sometimes poetry. And I was so, 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 so passionate about it. Like that was yeah. really, that was like my thing. Okay. Um, still want it to be my thing, but I think, I think I'm getting middle aged. <laughs> I'm turning 35 this week. So I don't know. I'm not sure where, like where you hit middle aged. Right. When I was a kid, I definitely thought 30 was middle aged. But now that I'm over 30, I'm not I'm not sure if I'm middle aged <laughs> yet or not. <laughs> I think it's getting a little bit later and later you know, as time goes on. Yeah. Like maybe yeah. I'll never become middle aged right. would actually be best. But I think I think maybe 
on Thursday when I turn 35. I'll be, I think I'm turning middle-aged this week. Okay. I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is fine. But I, I also... Um, it's not that I have given up on my writing expectations. I still love writing. And I still want to pursue it. But I also invest so much of my time and creative energy into my work right now mm -hmm. but that's not really answering your question because actually you were asking about my writing um <laughs> right now i write mostly poetry okay yeah and i write poetry partially because work has subsumed so much of my life that it's hard to find the time to write a novel which is yeah. what i used to always have a novel on the go okay and the other thing with poetry, over the past few years, I've been challenging myself to write about my own life and my own life experiences in mm -hmm. poetry. Okay. Which I would say, when I was younger, I didn't want to do that. Like, I felt like my life was boring. I didn't want to explore it really okay. introspectively. Okay. And I think over, maybe over the past five or six years, I've felt like there actually is a lot of value, like value for myself emotionally, but also artistic value in trying to capture my own experiences and emotions. Yeah. And I find it more effective to do that through poetry than through fiction. Okay. Or nonfiction even. Like, okay. I like the fact that in poetry you can hit on really hardcore truths but you can present them in a really a snapshot version right if that makes sense yeah you're composting your experience and on the other end you have like maybe this short piece that someone could read and with the words you kind of evoke what you were yeah processing. yeah because yeah, i think it's a little bit camouflaged that way is right. in poetry you can put down words that exactly evoke how angry you were that day or how devastated you were, but you're not, you can choose whether or not you want to literally write about what was happening. Right, yeah. yeah. Or you can write, you know, in a way that captures what you're going through, but without being quite as literal about it. And then someone else could read it and they could get, hopefully, they could get the same essence out of it like the same yeah. yeah feeling and they could ascribe their own life details to it right maybe there's a bit of protectionism in that too <laughs> in that then if you wish you can pawn off poetry as fiction <laughs> to right. for instance your mother no really i'm having a fine time <laughs> this is just a pff, artistic expression right <laughs> so yeah yeah, yeah. There's a reason why most people don't publish their journals. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. even if it's quote, quote, good writing, it might not be the writing that you actually want anyone else to know about you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think poetry is good because you can like really dig into messy personal details, but you can still present it in a way that's somehow like acceptable for other people to read. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or at least that's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> yeah. And on the flip side of that coin, what have mm -hmm. you enjoyed reading 
lately. Oh, the book I most recently finished is so different from <laughs> from writing poetry. <laughs> I just finished reading A Promised Land by Barack Obama. Okay. Yeah. Which is about eight million hours long to listen to. I listen to it as an audiobook. Okay. Um, which is the way I read the most. And yeah, I don't I mean I don't want to talk about politics per se, but I admire Obama as a person and as a leader. Okay. And I think that it is both um, apt and like utterly ridiculous for me to compare myself to him because he was the president of the United States for eight years and I'm the director of a library that employs 30 people. So (laughs) I fully realize that it's an entirely different scale. (laughs) But, um, But I don't know. I like reading books about people in leadership roles just because it's fascinating to see how you how you as a person like how do people make decisions and how do you make decisions that are impossible decisions that aren't there's Mm -hmm. no good decision right whatever you do people are going to dislike it how do you communicate this decision that no one's going to like right and how do you like retain your humanity and your sense of humor and your right you know like yeah so anyway, yeah, that was the book that I read most recently. It's been crazy popular here at the <laughs> library. Yeah, yeah, you should come check it out, and you'll have to wait for like nine weeks before you can read it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Is there a particular message you like to leave for our listeners? Mm, I think the message that I'd like to leave, and this is a message coming from the fact that I'm the director of the library, of course, but is that um, that COVID is a really challenging time and we're still in the midst of it. And I think it's a time for everyone to focus on themselves. I don't mean that in a, in a selfish way, but I mean for us to think about our own inner realities. So whether that's mm-hmm. through creative pursuits or intellectual pursuits or self-reflection, yeah. um, those things are not necessarily enjoyable, but I think this is the time to do it. And if the library can play a role in that by providing books that people can read or audiobooks mm-hmm. that they can listen to, yeah. um, I think that that is that's a valuable role for us to play. And yeah. I hope that we're I hope that we're helping people that way. Yeah, now's a great time for it before life picks back up its pace. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing I keep on thinking, whether this is a suitable parting message or not, I don't know, is I keep thinking there's the reality of what we're going through right now and how much it arguably sucks, or you can regard it as sucking. And then there's also the reality of like five years from now, 20 years from now, how are we going to look back on this time and how are we going to look back Mm -hmm. on what each of us as individuals did during this time? Right. And I try to look at it from that perspective because some days I think, oh, life is a grind. And other days I think if it's five years in the future and I'm looking back at this year, it's going to be okay. I'm going to remember that I led a library through a pandemic and I listened to a lot of audiobooks and I ran on a (laughs) treadmill all winter. That's not the worst equation possible (laughs) for a 12-month period. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. All right. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. I think I talked a lot, but I guess that's the point.
That's what we do here. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. You're welcome. That concludes another episode of Brandonites. Thank you to our guest, Danielle Hubbard. We will be posting episodes bi-weekly, so please subscribe to get notified about the next one. If you'd like to suggest a future guest for our podcast, send me an email at alex at wmrl.ca. Don't forget to visit us at one of our branches located in downtown Brandon, at the Shoppers Mall, or in Carberry, Glenborough, Hartney, and Nibwa. Check out our collection of books or our e-resources at wmrl.ca and see what we have going on for programs. Until next time, take care.